On another exciting episode of the Animation Deliberation Podcast, the mist is clearing as we get some backstory and incredible action with our mist Hashira. We're covering Season 3, Episode 8 and 9 of Demon Slayer. Right after these ads, we have no control over. Sing along if you know the words. A one, two, three, it's time for Animation Deliberation. A conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah. Yeah, welcome back to another episode of Animation Deliberation, the podcast where we take action, animation, and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. We are your hosts. I am Zuhair Ali. My name is Jay Scotty St. Clair. And I am Andrew Rogers. And we've got a lot to catch up with in regards to the entertainment district. We got two stories that are covering Mr. Muichiro very heavily. And you guys, you guys wanted some sick animation. The sick animation is here. Yes, I forgot how much happened in these two episodes, and then I watched them back to back, and I'm just like, oh, we got some dark, heavy backstory that was like, you know, main character wasn't there, but it was an hour of content on content on content, and I am just amazed. Overflowing, if you will. (laughs) Yeah, we knew some flashbacks and backstories were going to factor into the season at some point or another, and this is where we got the majority of it. All right, so without further ado, as you guys have missed us talking about Demon Slayer, I'm sure you've missed us talking about Blenders as well. So, talking <laughs> about the Blendjet 2, the Blendjet 2 is portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, approaching shake at the gym, or even a margarita at the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and fruit with ease. Blendjet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. Lasts for 15-plus blends and recharges quickly via USB-C. Best of all, Blendja 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you are good to go. Come in a lot of dope colors. 30 plus options. They even have versions from Disney and... What am I missing? Oh yeah, just Disney. Yeah, so cool Disney tie-ins, cool colors. If you want to customize it even more, you know, get your favorite stickers, match it up with the colors. Um, Use it every single day. Get home from work, whip a smoothie, get back to editing, uh, especially finally now that I'm hitting the gym again from shoulder recovery and stuff. It's such a such a handy tool. Yeah. And don't, you know, think of only one use. It has multiple uses. The only thing more powerful and quicker than these blades might be a Hashira. But beyond that, it's going <laughs> to slice through it just as quick as Muichiro. Because let me tell you, I hosted a party this weekend where I wanted to make some cocktails. I was throwing frozen fruit in there. I was throwing pounds of ice in there. Just nice. making drink on drink on drink and lasted through all of that. Just didn't have to recharge it. Just kept going. Like, don't stop yourself at just smoothies. They could do coffees. They could do cocktails. They could do all sorts of different things. And now it just keeps getting better. They have the Orbiter drinking lid, a leak-proof lid that keeps our ensemble safe from spillage. Gives you one hand convenience because you only need a thumb to open the lid and a large opening perfect for even thick smoothies with a room enough for a straw. And just like the blender, it is self cleaning spin the lid give it a rinse and you are good to go because this thing is engineered to keep spills at bay so don't hold your breath what are you waiting for go to blendjet.com and grab yours today and be sure to use the promo code staywhelm12 to get 12 percent off your order and free two-day shipping no other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality power and innovation of the blendjet 2 they guarantee you'll love it or your money back Blend anytime, anywhere with the Blendjet 2 Portable Blender. Go to Blendjet.com and use the code STAYWELM12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. 
All right, so on with the show. We're going to be talking about Season 3, Episode 8, The Moo and Muichiro. Mm-hmm. So kicking off with the synopsis, though he escapes, Muichiro grows weak and numb from Gyoko's poison needles. Seeing Kotetsu about to be attacked and unable to move, his life flashes before his eyes and he regains his memories. The son of a woodcutter, he became orphaned after his mother fell ill and his father went out to get medicinal herbs, dying on his trip. His older twin brother, Yuichiro, cynical and bitter over their deaths, raised Muichiro, but remained cold and distant from him. A visit from Kageya's wife, Amane, to recruit them into the corps only, provo- only provokes Yuichiro, launching him into a tirade about the fruitlessness of helping others and how they are fated to join their parents in dying a worthless death. One night, a demon found them and mortally wounded Yuichiro. Muichiro, in a blinding rage, defeated the demon and witnessed his brother's last moments, apologizing to him and praying he will survive. The traumatic memories cause marks to appear on his face, augmenting his speed and strength. He rescues Kotetsu and makes his way to save Haganazuka and Kanamori. Gyoko, shocked that he has escaped with similar shocked that he has escaped and with similar marks to Tanjiro, uses multiple attacks, but discovers Muichiro can match him blow for blow. And for this week's episode, season three, episode nine, Mist Hashira Muichiro Tokito. While confronting Gyoko, Muichiro succeeds in insulting his art, enraging him. After his blood demon arts are overpowered, he reveals his true form, a large merman-like being with lethal touch, before attacking him in a frenzy after he continues to insult him with his stoicism. Muichiro remembers how Amane had fought and saved him after the demon's attack and how he trained relentlessly to become stronger, his unbridled rage continually moving him forward. Using his augmented speed and mist-breathing, Muichiro evades and overwhelms Gyoko's perception before finally beheading him. As his mark fade, he quickly reels from exhaustion and the poison's effects. Kanamori aids him and is joined by Kotetsu, who is saved from being stabbed by Rengoku's hilt, guard within his shirt, which Tanjiro had given him to put on his new sword. Muichiro cries, being reminded of his lost friend, and is comforted by visions of his family. Elsewhere, Tanjiro struggles with the Demon of Hatred, having his eardrums burst and his left foot crushed by the dragon using the clone's abilities. He is snatched by one and nearly killed when Mitsuri arrives and slices its head apart, saving him, before making her way to save Nezuko and Genya. It's cool being able to cover these two episodes together because they are so heavily tied in with Muichiro. If I haven't said it enough, you guys listeners really need to watch rewatch the episode where the Hashira meet for the first time in the series because one of the things that they really emphasize but that the only two people who really survived the demon Seracor are those who have gone through tragedy and lived through it and have that willingness to fight or they have like generations of family that have been training each other to be able to you know have this role so knowing that a majority of these people have come from trauma in some sense and seeing not only Genya and his brothers, but now what Muichiro went through. It's like, we see how devastating these stories are over and over again. And it's still like, it just hits you right in the feels when you got to watch it for every new character. Like it's just, they, they make the stories unique. They make them, they, they make you feel for them emotionally. And it's, it's very hard hitting, but seeing how this character specifically has come out from it, there's a lot more, from his family history that we still need to learn, but seeing how he's come from what he's had to go through and how powerful he is and seeing 
Like, he, I don't think he was underhyped at all. Like, sure, he didn't have... Like, the fact that he was able to do as much as he did with a chipped blade and being poisoned was super impressive. But then seeing, like, full-fledged, like, what he's capable of doing was just really, really cool. I mean, it goes without saying, he did the most casual killing of an upper moon demon <laughs> that we have seen. Like, I sat there like, oh, his head's gonna reattach. You know, we've done this before. Okay, this is not actually his final form. And then he just cuts the head in half, and it's like, Oh no, Muichiro might just be the most powerful Hashiro that we have seen, bar none. Like to see mm-hmm. him come out so blazing, so hot was, I mean, it, it was breathtaking. And again, just like stopped you in your tracks because you didn't believe that it was happening. But yeah, the backstory was, I we got a lot more than I thought we were going to get, but it was very gripping, even if it wasn't surprising. Like yeah. kind of, you know, you knew it was going to be tragic, like you said, but it's still held so much weight and you know pushed this character forward especially finding out that he does actually have a secret brother you know we'd kind of been guessing that for a while but no it, it was so good and then i do know i saw it was either an article or a post um two weeks ago they apparently brought back the team of animators that worked on entertainment district episode 10 aka the big guitaro fight scene mm-hmm. they worked on the backstory episode hence why it might be one of the most beautiful episodes we've seen in a while mm-hmm. the rain scenes and the water physics and all of the things that were going on i don't know if they're here for any other episodes this season but i do know it was basically like all right we need the big guns to make you <laughs> cry during backstory like that was when they decided to bring them out that's great resource yeah. allocation. I even saw something the other day where that whole fight scene was actually just four pages in the manga. Yes. <laughs> so now, like, like I don't want to look into it myself, but the listeners who read the manga, like, I want to know, like, how dragged on this Muichiro fight actually was or if he did just, like, cut him off quick. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what's br- brought up so far. It wasn't surprising at all that the story was tragic, as you said. The thing that was most surprising to me is... Uh, Muichiro's personality like we've seen him be so detached and so kind of like vacant to see that he was like a real sweetheart and and kind of soft like not in a bad way necessarily but like really emotional like I didn't expect to to see that from his character at all and it really uh, brought into light how he kind of inhabited his brother's like cynicism and detached nature once he became once he lost his memories I'll say but yeah uh, I I think that siblings and the relationships between you know siblings be it brothers and brothers brothers and sisters whatever that's that continues to be a very strong theme of the show and that's what kind of really spoke to me like i i have a number of siblings and i have a brother and we've been the best of friends and the worst of enemies so to like see these two brothers that like love each other but have a hard way or at least one of them has a hard way of expressing that until his final moments like that was what really resonated with me the moment when Muichiro really stepped into his own and took out Gyotaro, or not Gyotaro, Gyoko so easily. I was, it was a badass moment. And it was awesome how easily he did that. And then when Gyoko was like ranting and raving about like, how is this happening? And he just like sliced and diced the head. I loved it and hated it because it was a badass moment when he was like, why don't you just go to hell already? And it's like, people tell people to go to hell all the time, but he was like, literal like go to hell now i've heard enough <laughs> like as great as that was i really wanted to get some of gyoko's backstory with all this backstory we got and i he seemed like such a, an interesting guy with his vanity and and his bent towards the artistic and thinking he was this elevated 
life form and whatnot. And just uh, the verbal clash between them was just as great as like the physical clash between them. Oh, I mean, the minute Muichiro got his memories back, he was the sass master. He uh-huh. like, He's putting me to shame at that point. He was going for it. <laughs> so we actually have some feedback that's hitting this conversation that we're having right now from Jonathan Kim. Another great win by the Demon Slayers. But is it just me or did it seem too easy for Muichiro to beat Gyoko? He was definitely OP. This was definitely an advantage for the Demon Slayer against the fish power. I know Moichiro explained that he was serious, but compared to the other fights against Upper Moon, it definitely seemed easier since there was no struggle on the Demon Slayer side. Compared to Tanjiro, who was always pressured by the demon, like in the end of the episode, and then Mitsuri came in to save him. What do you guys think? I guess this just shows how strong the Hashiras are. On a separate note, because of how serious of a character Moichiro is, or at least how he is portrayed, I love the comedic timing and art of his expression during the dialogue between him and Gyoko. So great. Keep moving forward, Jonathan. So my headcanon for that fight was that I, I thought back to Uzui's fight with Gyotaro and how he needed to find like the musical timing because that's just how his technique works. So I think it was the same thing with Muichiro is that he was testing to see like how his enemy moves and the pace of how his vase teleports and how his movements and attacks and all that are going before he was able to devise a tactic to move in. And because he's less expressive, we got to see like less pain. I mean, we saw the pain on his face when he was worried about Kotetsu. Yeah. Yeah. Kotetsu, but not so much when he was just in his zone. That's just, that's just great warrior poker face. And I think, I think there were similarities in just being able to like, you know, jab with your enemy a little to find out where the weaknesses actually lie. And the way that he slashed the face reminded me so much of Trunks against Frieza. Just absolute iconic. Mm, And I loved it so much that with how much shit that Gyoko was talking, I'm glad that we didn't get a backstory and he just went straight back to hell. So satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I like where your, your head's at. And I, I kind of agree with the headcanon that like, oh, we've known for a while. This is a powerful Hashira. Like he's 14 and he's a Hashira. Like he's got to have some skill. I just think the kind of the root of this question, in my opinion, is how anticlimactic it felt. Like mm. we've been watching, you know, two to three seasons now of here's an upper rank demon. It is a all out war in order to take this one down. Like Akaza destroyed a train destroyed a forest and killed rangoku giotaro and daki took out an entire village and took nearly took out uzui in the process gyoko who's supposed to be better than uh giotaro just kind of throws fish at people and dies like it felt a little i'm gonna use it underwhelming Like, that's Mm -hmm. really what it was at the end of the day. And I think that's part of why he feels so OP, because I can believe that he can actually, you know, take an upper moon down that quickly. I just think comparatively, it felt a little, oh, he's just way too OP. I think that's fair. And I think, you know, I, I did enjoy these pairing of episodes and I've enjoyed the season so far. But I think as we get kind of towards the end here, it's becoming a little more apparent to me that compared to like, previous seasons pacing has been a little bit of an issue for this season. Like the fact that we haven't seen 
Mitsuri in like three full episodes and we just see her at the end of this one. I, I think that's fair. There was something satisfying about like actually just having beheading a demon be enough. And it looked like something was going to happen there. He started to like, you know, regenerate a little bit, but it was kind of like, okay, not every single one of these demons has to have like some crazy trick up their sleeve. And I really do think it just spoke to like his overconfidence, like to quote Star Wars, his overconfidence was his downfall. And Muitro said the same to him. What makes you think you're the only one that hasn't been taking this seriously? And that's his fault for not taking it seriously. Something else that came up for me though, is like I've talked in the past how it seems like with the emergence of this this hate vari- variation of uh, Hauntingu, that the love and hate, like that seems like a natural kind of uh, pairing there in terms of fighting. But while Muichiro was going up against Gyoko, yeah, the, the mist and the fish, like it seemed like a great foil for it. Like he was able to dispel all the poison and take care of the swarm of fish and everything like that. So it seemed like a good match in that regard. But the fact that he had been so vacant emotionally made me kind of think like, oh, might it have been more interesting if he went up against the guy that's all about emotions? Like you have this emotionally vacant character going up against the emotions. But, you know, that's I guess that's not how the manga was written. So that's just we got what we got. Yeah, I think we're also in a weird position of it feels like we're past the emotions. Now, like, only hate is around. The others are, have been absorbed. So I feel mm-hmm. like it, it would have been good early on. I do have a pivot point that I feel like is kind of a debate that needs to happen here. I want, your, I want your guys' opinion. Where are you on the train of... Do the powers actually exist? Because I think there has been some conversation recently online of, you know... Tanjiro swings his sword and says fire breathing. Does fire actually come out of his sword or is it just a visual thing for the audience to pick up on? It's a visual thing to help the audience. Okay. That's, I, think the, I think the opposite. Here's the thing. I was with you, Zuhair, until this episode threw a wrench in that plan because suddenly he got lost in the mist. Does that mean that he was moving so fast that he couldn't see him? Because like, that was a big crux of the fight is, oh, the demon was at a disadvantage because suddenly he's caught in the mist because I thought it was like, oh, it's supposed to be a visual cue, but now mist actually exists. Like what's going on there? What, how do we explain that one? Yeah, that is the oddball for me too. I mean, I, I could bounce back to it just being like the movement and speed and fluidity of how he moved around. Maybe just like, Gyoko was genuinely having trouble tracking, but I, I really can't say much out of that. I think they're just trying to find a good balance between the two. Okay. And Jay Scotty, you're just fully on the team of like, he says fire, fire coming out of his sword. Yeah. I think I would have been in the other camp, like maybe a couple seasons back, maybe like season one, I was on that train, but I think more and more, it's just become more evident that these these things are actually happening like just thinking back earlier on the season like when his sword was aflame with like Nezuko's blood like he like actually said something like oh like I'm my sword is running out of blood or it's no longer on fire anymore like he mentioned the fact that it had been on fire so so that means that Hinokami Kamagura before that there wasn't any fire because he's acknowledging the fact that Nezuko's blade has or blood has actually given him fire I think it's open to interpretation 
You see, and then the real the real wrench in the plan is I think the author of the manga has weighed in on this debate, which only sparks more flame to the fire. I think they have said something like it doesn't exist. But yeah. again, the mist is said to exist in this episode. And that's why I'm like, we haven't talked about this. I'm curious where everyone lands. So mm. listener, if you have any strong thoughts to this, please like let us know. I'm not just doing this as a call to feedback. I'm like, it's a great conversation because it's confusing. I don't know what to yeah. do. It, it was that that quote that really got me thinking about it it's like huh they do water stuff a lot but nobody gets wet they do the fire stuff a lot but it is exhausting he doesn't actually get burned they're like there isn't like sitting flames and then again tanjiro brought up the point that his sword literally was on fire because of nezuko's blood Mm -hmm. you know insinuating that it wasn't before because the fire or flame breathing in hinokamikagura don't work that way but yeah like there's there's stuff to show that it is just the movement and the fighting style, but the mist did kind of throw that off a bit. I mean, it looks beautiful, so I'm not complaining by any means, but I'm trying to visualize like what Muichiro's movements actually would be if, to justify that. Yeah, I guess if you really wanted to stay in the camp that it's not really there, like maybe there's a way of saying like mist is actually something that is somewhat associated with breathing. Maybe I'm grasping at straws here, but if you breathe like heavily enough, you can generate some humidity. So probably not enough to dispel like what he was doing there. It's <laughs> just <laughs> breathing. Yeah, yeah. It's all the steam from the hot baths. There you go. There you go. That's the, we, we figured it out, gang. <laughs> we screwed <laughs> that shit. Please. <laughs> yeah it was kind of saved towards the end but the continuation of the conflict we had with the hatred demon and mitsuri arriving on the scene like tanjiro has been through some harrowing moments and really like been like you know taken to the cleaners in terms of getting his ass whooped but when he was getting crushed by that wooden dragon i was just like the sound design based with the claustrophobia there i was like this that suspended my disbelief a little more so than than other times. Like it was just like, how is he like able to walk after that? He was crushed. Yeah, honestly, I thought we were gonna have to watch him go like Super Saiyan here again, like he did at the end of last season with every broken bone. Like, well, here I go. So I'm glad yeah. that at least they're letting me believe that Mitsuri saved him and he didn't save himself because I was like, there's yeah. no way he's coming back from this. Nezuko no. was definitely struggling too. I, I took that as a little bit of a mix of, you know, bones cracking and just kind of the sound of wood shifting. Yeah. Especially okay. because it was kind of like compressing and not like, you know, moving on hinges. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I saw it as a little bit of both. But yeah, I imagine that um, he might need a chiropractor or so afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was getting some nope vibes in that moment. I was like, oh, God. Uh-oh jean jacket mm-hmm. yeah a, l- a little jean jacket action if you yeah. know you know um with that but you saying uh nezuko being there reminded me that may have been the best nezuko moment we have gotten full stop of the way she looked so excited when mitsuri just yeah. jumped onto the dragon <laughs> oh my god like absolute just- relief but the way she idolizes her, it was so mm-hmm. cute and perfect. Just like, oh my God, she's here. We're good. We're saved. Like so many things conveyed despite her not being able to use words. I was yeah. uh, uh, absolutely blown away. Nezuko has just had a lot of great moments this season, it feels like. 
Nezuko might be the only one able to communicate with Tanjiro now because he can't hear and she can't use words. Mm. Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> See how long that, that holds up. for him though. Like for him yeah. to take that hit so many times and then just point blank from that dragon head. It is cool how each of the heads is one of the powers and he's just going off that drum. It's really cool how they're showing that. Uh, it's just terrifying for our heroes. <laughs> Yeah, it was a great moment to pepper in some comic relief, though, when Mitsuri was, like, just grabbing him by the shoulders, like, it's okay, you can br- take a break now, you can rest, and they do that thing where their eyes are just dots, and he's like, I can't hear anything you're saying, my eardrums were busted. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I don't even think he said it, I think he was thinking it, like, which is even better, yeah. that Mitsuri still, like, yeah. hasn't registered. I mean, you also got the not-comic yeah, relief. She just but- showed up. Yeah. You did have the not-comic relief, but I got a kick-out-of-it moment of genya here trying to shotgun the dragon and just doing nothing mm-hmm. like, it blew off a little chunk of the head eh. yeah des- desperation calls for eh. <laughs> mitsuri's entrance with the moon was really beautiful yes i'm really curious to see like is love breathing a thing like are we gonna get a visual representation of it because her sword powers have been awesome her movement has been awesome but what does her breathing look like yeah, are you guys just expecting like hearts to come up based off that debate earlier? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just like, Maybe. is she just going to write a card? She it's just pink. She just gets the demon to repent and be like, you know what? I was wrong. We shouldn't be fighting. We should be loving. <laughs> you don't have to kill me. I'm the one demon that doesn't have to be killed. <laughs> uh, that's the secret. It was love all along. That's right. That's right. Uh, I do feel like we're going to get her backstory next episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got two more episodes. But that's what I'm scared of is we only have two more episodes. I'm like, oh, no, the season's coming yeah. to a rapid conclusion here. Well, yeah, th- they'll do what they'll do in this one where it's like first half is all backstory. And then <laughs> the half of the back half will finish up the backstory, go into some action, give us a cliffhanger and then wrap it up in the last episode. <laughs> Yeah, more than likely. And the nice thing about this show is like you can watch like the little teaser at the end and it generally does not spoil the next episode. And yeah, it's great it's just fun. to get, you know, Zenitsu and Inosuke oh back God. for just a second. They're like, when's it our turn? Like, I, I absolutely love that. That was a great acknowledgement and uh, hanging a lantern on the fact that they've been absent. But the title of the next one is, I think it's just Love Hashira Mitsuri Kanjori, uh, which mirrors this episode. Yes. With- Muichiro so uh, I do think we're going to get her backstory I do think she's going to have a sibling as well and that does kind of make me want to go back to Muichiro a little bit like I think one thing the synopsis kind of glossed over was what the Mu and Muichiro stands for and like throughout the backstory his brother kept using it as an opportunity to insult him like it, it's Mu, Mu is meaningless. Mu is worthless. And then at the end, he's like, I've been lying this whole time. The Mu stands for infinity. So just kind of going back to like sibling rivalries and like he, he really loved his brother's brother, but in some ways he was actually envious of his brother and his brother's like selfless and, and caring nature. So, and that ended up being his power. He like, he, he displayed infinite power in that moment once he remembered who he was. So. Mu and Deku. So similar with their names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I can only imagine what it actually must be to like grow up as a Japanese 
kid where your name can be interpreted different ways based on the base meanings that are assigned to you. Like yeah. that's that leaves a lot of room for open interpretation. That's unfortunate. Language can be a bitch. I always, I kind of wondered what kind of yeah influence someone's name can have on them because uh, I haven't been exposed to a lot of it. But I, I read like an article or a book somewhere where it was like discouraging people from naming their kid Noah because like basically the first words they're hearing in their life a lot is like, no, no, Noah. And like they might internalize that. And I also wondered, is it like the same thing for Mallory? Because like in so many languages, like Mal is like malevolent, bad. bad. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if it, you know, does something subconsciously. I mean, that's why people are just making up names now. <laughs> yeah. Too much affiliation. Are all names so. not just made up? At the end Modern of the day, they up. are. <laughs> Getting existential now. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah, I, I love the two brothers. It was. It was a bit of a subversion of a subversion. For a moment, I thought we were going to find out that Muichiro was not Muichiro, and it was actually Yuichiro, like Muichiro had died, and that was his amnesia. It was like, well, he doesn't remember his life because it was his brother's life. And I'm I'm glad they didn't go that route because it had a bigger emotional payoff. Mm Mm-hmm. But they still never really explained, I I mean, I guess just trauma suppression, but like the amnesia didn't come from somewhere it wasn't like he got hit on the head it wasn't anything it was just i'm going to suppress this bad thing that happened to me and continue living the rest of my life yeah i think it was the combination of the rage that he had to tap into to defeat the demon which was something he hadn't really displayed before in combination with watching his brother dying and like going into the detail of like watching his brother become maggot written and to the point where the maggot started to like go to him and they like even implied that they basically had to like pry his hand off of his brother's like cadaver like pretty intense yeah Yeah, that was a lot to watch skin crawling moments for sure animations Mm -hmm. a little too beautiful yeah yeah (laughs) i'm glad they like kind of shaded it where it was like coming out of um his brother's mouth so it's like it was enough to make you cringe but not enough to like fully make you vomit yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of things coming out of his mouth, that does remind me of like when he was foaming at the mouth and Kanamori was like, Are you sure you're okay? And he's like, I'm good. And he's like, You look really pale and you're trembling. <laughs> that was uh, some much needed comic relief there as well. <laughs> that and Kotetsu's the... ghost. Oh, yeah. Ghost, yeah. <laughs> I'm not dead. We got Moishiro's like the little dot eye look that they gave Nezuko a lot, like right before yeah. the fight started. I wasn't ready yep. for that to pop up as early as it did. Mm-hmm. So between that and uh, just how they wrapped it up, and I, I'm pretty sure Mucho recognized how he was running out of time just based off his exhaustion and just the uh, the ramifications of pushing his body to go through all of that. It was just kind of like, okay, I'm gonna go fight. Never mind. No, I'm not. We've seen Tanjiro do that enough for sure. Mm-hmm. They they do a really good job at like reminding us of what human limits are. For as amazing and spectacular as everything looks they remind us that they are just humans. Indeed. Humans apparently don't just throw fire around. Yep. Uh, I guess one thing to kind of like bring up as well is we had uh, discussed Hagen Azuka working on this sword and how we had the mention earlier of the season that he's going to need like three days to work on the sword. So is this conflict going to span 
more than three days or, you know, more than a couple of days or what. And at this point, given that we only have two episodes left, I'm starting to lean towards, I I don't know, unless they do some funky stuff with the time in these last couple episodes, it seems like it's probably going to clock in at like a day and a half at the longest. I mean, I, at this point, the sun hasn't come up, so I wouldn't even say anything more than a day. Yeah, yeah. that's why I said a day and like half. within an hour. Yeah, I would love an actual timeline of how long it's supposed to be taking place. But yeah, at this point, it seems like Mui, or Muichiro, Mitsuri is probably going to be the one to save the day because Tanjiro probably won't even know that a new sword is ready for him. So it's it was really just there as the plot point of Haganazuka needs to get beat up while just continuing on that sword did not stop for a moment. He was, he was the trooper of the week. So he's going to be still going at it for another two nights. Mm. Goes three days, three nights. So he's just going to be out there in the woods, like blood coming out of him going nonstop. Yeah, that does make me think going back to Gyoko for a second, like he actually had a moment of pride when he first got slashed by Muichiro as upset <laughs> as he was. He was also kind of proud. He was like, Oh, I was I was as focused as this guy was for a second. I you know I can hone in on my craft. I'm, this guy's no better than me. <laughs> That's my thing with Gyoko is I think he was known for his stealth more than his power. I think he was just yeah. resourceful and sneaky. Sure. And I mean, wasn't there the joke that he was just loved the most by Muzan because he could sell his pots? <laughs> like he could sell them for a high price. So he's just like, we'll keep you around. Yeah. yeah, his mission was literally just to find the village, which obviously he did. I could see right. this spat ending with with hatred going back into fear and him just running away back to Muzan and reporting what happened. Hmm. I don't yeah, think this a... has to end with Haganazuka dying. Hantengu. Hantengu. Hantengu, excuse me. Yeah. Haganazuka better not die. He's got that sword to finish. Mm-hmm. And then he's going to get eye patch notes from Uzui. Great. <laughs> yeah. That's the spinoff we need. Just Hagazuka and Uzui just chilling in retirement <laughs> together. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, he would just be judging Uzui's swords. Yeah. Probably. All right. Uh, do we have anything else to say on this one? Or these couple of ones, I should say? Nope. All righty. Well, uh, I encourage all the listeners as the season's winding down here, if you want to be like Jonathan Kim and join in on the conversation and let us know what you're thinking about uh, the end of the season as well as the season thus far and even the show thus far, uh, please chime in and send us an email. Send us a recorded voice note at animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com. There's also a slew of other places you can find us. And those places are uh, all of our social media platforms. You can follow us on Twitter at AnimationDelib1 and on Facebook and Instagram, AnimationDeliberation. All right. Anything to plug or let the people know about? I know, Zuhair, you have an upcoming panel appearance that you should probably mention a few more times before it comes up. Yeah, we got Awesome Con coming up in a couple of weeks. If you're in D.C. or the DMV area, feel free to swing by. I will be there on our panel with 323 with Reed Murphy on the 16th, starting at 630, I believe. 
Uh, so it's going to be exciting. I'm definitely nervous about it. Never even been to a big city con before. So for my first time to actually be on stage will be exciting, but nerve wracking at the same time. Uh, speaking of 323, I will be joining them uh, this week. I had a little hiatus just because too much going on. But joining them this week, we'll be on Multiverse News this week. And we got some more animation deliberation coming up this week. Yes, we do. You know, one of the biggest things to happen in animation in a long time just happened across the Spider-Verse is out in theaters. So we're doing a lot of coverage. Um, I had the opportunity to do an instant reaction with John Irons. We're getting ready to do more of a full breakdown with Matt Carroll from the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. So certainly uh, stay tuned for that. And, That's John uh, Irons from Captain Game Show. So be sure to check him out. Yes, 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 indeed. Andrew, anything you want to let the people know about? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. Well, I don't have a... I'm hesitating because I don't actually have a time or date nailed down, but hopefully I'm going to be making an appearance on the Source Pages podcast this upcoming week for Uh, none other than the distinguished competition that is DC these days, uh, covering some of the Flashpoint comics. So if you have a DC Universe subscription and want to read up on Flashpoint with us, go right ahead and do that. Or just pop over there. We'll talk about the comics and how we're probably excited for this movie and what it's going to mean for the greater DCU as a whole. It's going to be a great time. That's the Source Pages podcast, a part of the Stranded Panda Network. Yeah, and speaking of The Flash, I also recently appeared on Bingers Assemble in our continuing DCEU coverage and had the pleasure of being joined by the guys from DC on screen to cover Batman 1989 and Batman Returns all in preparation for the Flash. So please go check that out. I think that's everything this week. Thank you all for being here and thank you for listening and keep tuning in. That's T-O-O-N-I-N. And as always, stay whelmed. There's been a severe lack of them this season, but until we see them again, muscle, muscle. Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Stranded Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandedpanda.com or join the great community that is the Stranded Panda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed. <laughs>